and this message is out of the book of John. It's every chapter in the book of John. And each chapter gives a striking aspect of Jesus' character. And as I was studying this, I just, I've been studying the Gospels. I've been going through the Bible time and time and time again, the New Testament, and um, listening to it and reading it. And I've learned so much things, so much that I did not see. It was in there, but I did not see before. So, let's go to John. Oh, just a second. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the privilege that I have to teach today and that your word shall go forth in power and might. And I thank you, Father God, for the anointing that has already destroyed every yoke of bondage. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And did you bring a cough drop up here? They're in that bag or in my purse. Take your pick. Okay. Um, disrespect is the thief that steals your blessing. This is Pastor's Nugget 173 Nugget <laughs> 173rd. Disrespect is the thief that steals your blessing, and that is the truth. You know, if you're a parent and you have kids, the, they disrespect you, that steals their blessing. It, it causes us to become infuriated inside and ready to strangle somebody. But um, it, it ruins, you know, so many times as a parent, I remember I had something great planned and one of them would be disrespectful the one that it was, and the one that it was planned for, and it was shot. They didn't get it. They didn't know they were getting it anyway, but they didn't get it. So, I hadn't seen this until this morning, and it is true. Disrespect is the thief that steals your blessing. You know, the Bible says that we're to honor and respect our parents, and we will have what? Long life. <laughs> I could make a joke out of this, but I won't. <laughs> I think every parent in the room has felt like strangling someone at one time or another. They didn't, but John twenty thirty one. Pastor might not have. Yeah, I'm going to go there first. But these are written, recorded in order that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Anointed One, the Son of God, and that through believing and cleaving to and trusting and relying upon him, you may have life through in his name, through who he is. I'll read it in the King James. 
But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that you might have life through his name. So, hang on a second because I'm cold. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Okay, let's go to John 1.1. 1, 1. If you ever want to um, get the two major cults, the Mormons and the Jehovah Witness, this is the scripture that you give them. There's, there are several. Um, having studied with both, I learned how to um, talk to them so they would understand. You want to see them saved. So John 1.1, 1, 1, we'll go ahead and read that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we see that the Word was God. In verse 14, it says, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's read from 1 to 14 in the Amplified. In the beginning, before all time, was the word of Christ. And the word was with God, and God was, and the word was God himself. That, if you want to look that up in Isaiah 9, 6. He was present originally with God. All things were made and came into existence through him and without him was not even one thing made that came into being. So when you look at this and you really study this, everything came through Jesus. It's powerful. And all things were made and came into existence through him, and without him was not even one thing made that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines on in the darkness, for the darkness has never overpowered it, put it out of put it out or absorbed it, or appropriated it, and is unreceived unreceptive to it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came to witness that he might testify of the light, that all men might believe in it, adhere to it, trust in it, rely in it, rely upon it through him. And it goes on that he was not the light himself. Okay, we're gonna, I'm not going to read it all. Let's go to John 2. So the, in chapter 1, he was the son of God in verse 1. And he was God, and in verse 14, he was, he beheld his glory. So the glory of God was in Jesus, when you think about this. Okay, chapter 2. One through 11. And in... And the third day there was a marriage in Cana 
of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there was set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw now, draw now, and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, he knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew the governor of the feast called the bridegroom. And he saith unto them, Every man at the beginning set forth good wine, and when the man have well drunk, then that which is worth, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of miracles that Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory as his disciples believed on him. Praise you, Jesus. Manifested his glory. John 3, 1 through 7. There was, hang on a second, I'm sorry. I'm going to start with verse 1. There was a certain man among the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler, a leader, and authority among the Jews, who came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know and are certain that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these things these wonder works, these miracles, and produce the proofs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you that unless a person is born again anew from above, he cannot even know, be acquainted with, and experience the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter his mother womb, mother's womb again and be born? Jesus answered, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, unless a man is born of water and even the spirit, he can't even enter the kingdom of God. What is born of from the flesh is flesh, of the physical is physical, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not, do not be surprised or astonished at my telling you, you must all be born again 
from above. Hallelujah. The wind blows, breathes where it wills, and though you hear the sound, yet you neither know where it comes from nor where it is going, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Now we go to chapter 4. So in chapter 3, Jesus was the divine teacher in verse 2. And let's look at that. Sorry, I should have given you that first. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are to teacher come from God. For no one can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Hallelujah. Number four, chapter four. Jesus, the soul winner. I love this, this chapter. Now when the Lord knew, learned, became aware that the Pharisees had been told that Jesus was winning the, and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. I'm in verse 1. Chapter 4. You got it? Is that what yours says? Okay. It is necessary for him to go to Samaria. And in doing so, he arrived at the Samarian town called Sikar, near the tract of land that Jacob called to his son Joseph and Jacob's well was there so Jesus tired as he was from his journey sat down to rest you see Jesus got tired also sat down to rest hang on lost my spot by the well, and it was about the sixth hour, about noon. Nobody went to the well at noon unless you were unclean. And so here we go. Presently, when a woman of Samaria came along to draw water, Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone off into the town to buy food. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me, and which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans? Jesus answered and said to her, 
If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me a drink, thou wouldest asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep from whence then hast thou the living water. I mean, that's, I mean, I can imagine her thinking this. Where are you getting this living water? How are you going to get it? The woman saith unto him, Sir, um, okay, here we go. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus answered and saith unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So church, in you is a well of water springing into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus saith unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, but thou hast had five husbands, and he whom you are now now hath is not thy husband, in that saith you thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Thank God for what President Trump did this week. Jesus saith unto her, Women, woman, Believe me, the hour cometh when you may neither, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. You wor ye worship, ye know not what. We know what ye, we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, and the Father seeketh such to worship him. Church, that's us, and that's now. He wants us before everything to worship him in spirit and in truth continually. You know, our desire to I'll be honest, every Sunday that pastor would tell me because I was coughing up this, this stuff, you have to stay home, hurt me deeply. I can't, I can't even explain it. God is a spirit 
and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know the Messiah cometh, which is called the Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, Who seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? Because they knew he shouldn't be talking to her. That was not that was out of the ordinary. The woman left her water pot and went her way to the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? This is Jesus, the soul winner. Then they went out of the city and they came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he saith unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto thee, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white and ready, already to harvest. And he that re reapeth receive wages and gather fruit unto life eternal that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Hallelujah. And we know the story. She comes back with the city. They believed her. They believed this woman that had had four husbands and was living with another. Of all people to believe that they had seen the Christ, that she would be the least. Yet time after time after time through the word, God chose the least, the, the, the least that you would think of. Rahab the harlot. I mean, think of it. You and I. Thank God we're born in this hour. To, in this hour, to be something for Jesus. That's why we're here at church, for no other reason. Or we could just get saved and go on home. A lot of people think that's a good idea. Okay, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but this is Jesus, the soul winner. And you see how he did it. He used the gifts of the Spirit. He told her, You've had this many husbands, but the one with, that you're with, you're not even married to. He operated in the spirit. When you go out and you go soul winning, you, t you operate in the gifts of the spirit. That's the one thing that, that you need to pray for before you go, God, give me the gifts of the spirit to operate in. 
So when I run into these people, I can share with them things that only God knows about them. And he will, trust me. Okay, in John 5, 8 through 9, this is going to talk about the great physician. And then 5 through 14, let's just go there. John 5, 5 through 14. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been there a long time in this case, he saith, excuse me, unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I come, another steppeth down before me. And Jesus, Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed and walked on walked in on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews, therefore, said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. Aren't you glad that they're not around us right now? Well, there's enough of them out there, but whatever. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. And he that was healed with not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. So in this place, there was a multitude because they knew at one time soon the angel was going to make the waters move. So some, one person could get in there. That's, thank God that's not the God we serve. It's only, it's only reserved for one out of how many are here. Thank God. But let's look at this, what he said. I, had, I know I'd noticed this before, but I didn't until I was studying this yesterday. You know, we do not understand sometimes why people die. You know, they go on and die or whatever happens. Well, look, what, look, look at this. So nobody knew that it was Jesus because he slipped out of that crowd. Okay? Let's move down. Afterwards, Jesus... Uh, wait, hang on a minute. He answered them... He that made me whole, the same, and said to me, Take up thy bed and walk. They asked, then asked they him, What man is it which saith unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. After Jesus findeth him, in the temple, and saith unto him, Behold, 
thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon him. That's a heavy thing. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh, hither I work. Hallelujah. But notice what he tells this man. This man had had these, this for how many years? 38 or 39. Jesus perceived. Again, he was operating in the spirit. He was not operating as a man. He was operating in the, as a man, but he was also allowing the gifts of the Spirit to tell him these things. You've had it this long. If you do not stop, if you go back to your sin, a worse thing will come upon you. That's heavy. Do you think he believed him? I hope so. Okay. So we see here he's the great physician. Did I do verse 14? Yes. Okay. John 6, 48. I, I find, I don't know about you, but I find this amazing out of every chapter in the book of John is something different. I had never seen it like this. Okay, 648. He is the bread of life, verse 1. After this, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is in the Sea of is the Sea of Tiberias and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were diseased and Jesus went up into the mountains and there he sat with his disciples and the Passover a feast of the Jews was was nigh and when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming unto him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that they may eat? You think about Jesus, he's always thinking about everybody else but himself. He's the bread of life. And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. You know, Jesus does not think small. How many know that? 
the Lord thinks his thoughts are not our thoughts and they need to be. He sees everything coming towards us. That's how he sees. He sees prosperity. He doesn't see small. Okay, you're all going to get one bite of this thing. Go into town, buy enough so that you can all get one bite. That's not, that's not our Lord. His thing is pressed down, shaken together, running over. More than enough. El Shaddai, more than enough. Okay. So here we go. Philip answered him, 200 pennies worth of bread is sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves, two small fishes, <laughs> but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in that place, so that men sat down in number of about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed it to the disciples and to the disciples to them that were sat down. Now think about this. And the likewise the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered up together, filled twelve baskets with fragments of fish, barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. This is how God wants to, to bless us, church. Two fish multiplied into as much as you need, as much as you want. He's the bread of life. In John seven thirty seven, he's the water of life. Let's turn there. I pray my prayer, Father, is that none of us ever forget this sermon, ever. When we start to think lack... We will shove that lack out of our thoughts and out of our mouth and speak forth what your word says. And your word is always prosperity. Your word is always health, wholeness, soundness of mind. I thank you, Father God, that your word goes forth and is mighty in this house this morning to each one of us hearing it. We need your word, God. Okay. John 7. 
He is the water of life, verse 37 through 40. Now on the final, most important day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried in a loud voice, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, who cleaves to and trusts in and relies on me, as the scripture has said, from the innermost being shall flow continuously springs and rivers of living water. God, I thank you. But he was speaking here of the spirit whom those who believed, trusted, had faith in him were afterward to receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified, raised to honor. Can you imagine him on the final day standing in a loud voice saying this? He cried in a loud voice, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Just reading this makes me want to cry. How many times have we not received what he has for us? Let him come and drink. Chapter 8, verse from 3 to 12. He is the defender. The last one was chapter 7. He, was, he is the water of life. Chapter 8. He is the defender of the weak. We sing that song. When the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, I always wondered where the man was, they made her stand in the middle of the court and put the cast before her. Teacher, they said, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such a woman offenders shall be stoned to death but what do you say to do to her what is your sentence he wants her to sentence this woman this they said to try test him hoping that they might find a charge on which to accuse him but jesus stopped down stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger However, when they persisted with their questions, he raised himself up and said, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he bent down and went on writing on the ground with his finger. They listened to him, and then they began going out, conscience-stricken one by one from the oldest down to the last one of them till Jesus was left alone 
and the woman standing there before him in the center of the court. When Jesus raised himself up, he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned thee? And she answered, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go on your way, and from now on, sin no more. You notice he says, go your way, but sin no more. Talk about love. Can you imagine the love she felt? Because according to the law, she should have been stoned. But he said, go your way and sin no more. He is the defender of the weak. Verse, chapter 9, verse 5, he gives sight to the blind. As long as I... I'm, verse, I'm sorry, verse... Um, I didn't we didn't write down the scripture. Let's start with one. As he passed along he noticed a blind man from his birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he should be born blind. Jesus answered, it was not that this man or his parents sinned, but that he was born blind in order that the workings of God should be manifested, displayed and il illustrated in him. We must work the works of him who sent me and be busy with his business while it is daylight. <clears throat> Night is coming on when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the world's light. And he said, when he had said this, he spat on the ground, made clay mud with his saliva and spread it as ointment on the man's eyes. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He gives sight to the blind. There's a scripture that says that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. I don't know if you pray that over people, but I certainly do. People that maybe were once Christians and have backslidden or have never been Christians. Chapter 10, he is the good shepherd. Ten eleven. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd risks and lays down his own life for the sheep. But the hired servant, who merely serves for wages who is neither the shepherd nor the owner of the sheep, 
while when he sees the wolf coming, deserts the flock and runs away, and the wolf chases and snatches them and scatters the flock. Now the hireling flees because he merely serves for wages and is not himself concerned about the sheep, cares nothing for them. I am the good shepherd, and I know and recognize my own, and my own know and recognize me. Hallelujah. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd risks and lays down his life for his own. That's verse 11. Thank you, Jesus. He watches over the sheep. Chapter 11, the resurrection and the life. 11, 25. How many have ever found all these in here? Anybody? Excuse me. This is talking about Lazarus. Remember when Lazarus died? And in verse 24, Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and life. He that believeth in me, though he be, were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth, and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ and the Son of God, which should come to the world. Now we're going to go to verse 43 and 44. Uh, let me go back a little. Let's go to 40. Jesus saith unto her, I'm in the Amplified, Did I not tell you and promise you that if you would believe and rely on me, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and saith, Father, I thank you that you heard me. Yes, I know you always hear and listen to me. But I have said this on account of and for the benefit of the people standing around so that they may believe that you did send me, that you have made me your messenger. When he had said this, he shouted with a loud voice. I could shout it. I can just imagine how loud it was. Lazarus, come forth. Or come out. And out walked the man who had been dead. His hands and feet wrapped in burial clothes, linen strips, and with a burial napkin bound around his face, Jesus said to them, free him of the 
burial wrappings and let him go. Upon seeing that Jesus had done, many of the Jews who had come with Mary believed in him. They trusted in him and allowed, adhered to him and relied on him. I guess so. Remember what she said to him? Lord, he's been in there all those days. He stinks. I didn't hear one person talk about any smell when he came out. Hallelujah. When Jesus cleans you up, he cleans you up. Praise you, Father. He is the resurrection and the life. John 12, 12 through 15. He is the king. You're ready. The next day, much people that were come to the feast when they heard Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he found, and Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereupon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, but the king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that they had that these things which were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. The people, therefore, am I in the right spot? Therefore, that were with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead, bear record, hallelujah. He is the king. You know, they put palm branches down and worship the king. The next, next few minutes, not, not too much longer, they called out Barabbas and said, crucify him, crucify him. All right, next, John 13, 43, he assumes the place of a servant and he washes the disciples' feet. This is a busy chapter. 13, 45. Okay, someone start looking for the washing of the feet. Fourteen one. 
13-1. Yep, 13-1. Sorry about that. Now before the Passover feast began, Jesus knew fully aware that the time had come for him to leave the world and return to the Father. And as he had loved those who were his own in the world, he loved them to the last and to the highest degree. So it was during supper, Satan having already put the thought of betraying Jesus in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son. Then Jesus, knowing full aware that the Father had put everything into his hands and that he had come from God and was now returning to God, got up from supper, took off his garment, and taking a servant's towel, he fastened it around his waist, and he poured water into a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the servant's towel with which he was girded. When he came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are my feet to be washed by you? Is it for you to wash my feet? Jesus said to him, you do not understand now what I am doing, but you will understand later on. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him saying, sorry about that. But my hand, he said, you should never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with in me. You have no share in companionship with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, wash not only my feet, but my hands and my head too. Jesus said to him, anyone who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is clean all over. And you, my disciples, are clean, but not all of you. And of course, we know who that was. Praise God. So Jesus, in chapter 13, he, became, he assumes the place of a servant washing the disciples' feet. 14.1, he is the counselor. Do not let your hearts be troubled, distressed, agitated. You believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely on God. Believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely also on me. In my Father's house are many mansions or many dwelling places, homes. If it were not so, I would not have told you, for I am going away to prepare a place for you. So he's counseling them. He's saying, be comforted. Thank you, Jesus. John 15, 1, he is the true vine. I'm almost done. I am the true vine, verse 1. 
and my Father is the vine dresser. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit, that stops bearing, he cuts away, trims off, takes away, and he cleans and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. You are cleaned and pruned already because of the word which I have given you, the teachings that I have discussed with you. Dwell in me and I dwell in you, live in me and I live in you, just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding in, being virtually united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. So he's telling them that he is the true vine and we see him as the source of all spiritual fruit. Praise God. Okay, John 16, 7 through 15. He's saying, you know, sometimes we don't like going through pruning. How many know what I'm talking about? I can just see when you're out there pruning a tree or they are, ouch, ouch. I don't like it. Well, we need to be pruned so we can grow more fruit. And if you stop growing fruit, plan on being pruned a lot. Okay, plan on... A lot of times we gripe and murmur and complain about all the things that we're going through. All, all the trials and stuff. You know, it says, count it all joy when you encounter divers' tests and trials, knowing the trying of your faith worketh patience. That is a pruning time. Count it all joy. Say, prune it. Get it. Just whatever you need to do, Lord. As long as it's God doing it, then it's going to be better at the end. Amen? But so many times God's pruning us and we're blaming the devil and everybody else. And we need to get on our face, get before God, Find out what's going on, and he will tell you, trust me, but take a big bunch of paper with you and let him talk. Usually it takes about a day of fasting and praying. Okay, what's the next one? Uh, 16, he is the giver of the Spirit. John 16, 7 through 15. However, I'm telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away because if I do not go away, the comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby will not come to you into close fellowship with you but if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. And when he comes, he will convict and convince the world, bringing demonstrations to it about sin, about righteousness, about uprightness of heart and right standing with God and about judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. Trust in, rely on, and, and adhere to me. About righteousness, uprightness of heart, and right standing of God, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. You know, right now, 
We're in a period of time where all this is going on. Don't murmur. Don't complain. Pray for our president. He's got spiritual counselors around him that, that I trust. I, I would hate to be in his place right now, but God chose him to be there. He's a businessman. He knows how to run businesses. And, he's, and one by one, these people are getting taken out of there, literally removed the, the swamp. Okay, so he is the giver of the Spirit. In John 17, he's the great intercessor of the church. Let's look there. He's the great intercessor of the church. Thank God. All right, you ready? And when Jesus had spoken these things, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify and exalt and honor and magnify your son so that your son may glorify and extol and honor and magnify you just as you have granted him power and authority over all flesh, all humankind. Now glorify him so that he may give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life. It means to know and perceive and recognize, become acquainted with and understand. And then he goes on down here in um, the whole thing needs to be read, but it's getting late. In verse 13, now I am coming to you. I say these things while I am still in the world so that, she, so that my joy may be made full and complete and perfect in them that they may experience my delight, fulfill in them, that my enjoyment may be perfected in their own souls, and that they may have my gladness within them, filling their hearts. I have given and delivered to them your word, message, and the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world, do not belong to the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you will take them out of the world, but that you will keep and protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, worldly, belonging to the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them, purify, consecrate, separate them for yourself, make them holy, by the truth, your word is the truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And, for, and so for, for their sake, on their behalf, I sanctify, dedicate, consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified, dedicated, consecrated, made holy in the truth. Neither for these alone do I pray. It is not for their sake only that I make this request, but also for all those who will ever come to believe in, trust in, cling to, rely on, my, rely on me through their word and teaching. 
that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, so that the world may believe and be convinced that you have sent me. If you notice here, and please go home and read this chapter, he didn't say, I'm taking you out of this mess. He said, I am asking you, Father, to get them through this as you got me through this. Some of us need to, to repent for some areas in our lives that we've gotten upset about. I mean, serious, that we've gotten upset about and we don't understand and we feel that people are hurting us or whatever. That's not it. We need to learn to flow with the spirit. What the enemy wants to do is push you away from God and blame God. It's not God. He says, I will protect you as you go through it. Every one of us. Number um, chapter 18. I find this amazing. I don't know about you. 11, verse 11, the model sufferer. 18, 11. Therefore Jesus said to Peter, put that sword back into the sheath the cup which my father has given me, shall I not drink it? So the troops and their captains and the guards, attendants of the Jews, seized Jesus and bound him. Here's Peter wanting to cut off ears. Jesus, right in the middle of all this, can you? I, I sit here and I think of all the emotion that was going on in our Lord during this time. He's, he knows he's ready to die for the sins of the world, have all sickness and disease placed on him. He's going to go to hell, so we don't have to. And Peter comes up and decides he's going to cut an ear off somebody. The model sufferer. John 19, 18. I don't know about you, but as I went through this, I had to really do some big soul searching the uplifted savior when there they crucified him and with two others one on either side Jesus between them and Pilate also wrote a title an inscription on the place card and put it on the cross and the writing was Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. And many of the Jews read this title for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and in Greek. The chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the King of the Jews, but he said, I am the king of the Jews, Pilate replied. What I have written, I have written. 
I'm going to go on a little bit here. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, one share for each soldier. In here was, do you remember where it was, honey, where it, I hope I did not miss this in the last chapter. I had it written, but I don't have it written in the notes where, remember the two on the, on the crosses next to him? And one was cursing Jesus, and the other one was telling him to shut up. Don't you see that this is the Christ? And Jesus looked to the one and said, Today you will be in paradise with me. And as I read that, and I can't remember where it was, as I read that, I thought, this man walked with Jesus through paradise that, that day. What a journey when he was bound for hell on the cross. He receives the Lord and ends up walking through paradise. John 20, he is the victor over death in verses 15 through 17. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why are you crying so? For whom are you looking? Supposing that it was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you carried him away from here, tell me where you put him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, turning around, and she said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher or master. He is victor over death. Four times he met and vanquished the king of terrors. First at the bedside of the little maid in, in Matthew 9, 24. Let's look at this. Church, I pray after this sermon, we look at him in a whole different light. And when Jesus came, verse 23 of Matthew 9, when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making an uproar and din, in other words, they were paid mourners. Man, you couldn't get your own mourners, you had to pay them. You ever thought about that? But when the crowd had been ordered to go outside, he went in and took her by the hand 
And the little girl arose. Praise you, Jesus. In Luke 79, 11, I don't think so. Hang on. There is no seventy nine. Seven, seven. Uh, you have seven, seventy nine, eleven through five. <laughs> Is it Luke seven? What? I've been reading Luke and I don't remember any 79 chapters. 7 verse 9, is that it? Verse 11. Verse 11. Soon afterwards, Jesus went in a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great throng accompanied him. As he drew near the gate of the town, this is one of my favorite healings. Behold, a man who had died was being carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large gathering from the town was accompanying her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, Do not weep. And he went forward and touched the funeral briar, and the pallbearer stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise from death. And the man who was dead sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Profound and reverent fear seized them all, and they began to recognize God and praise and give thanks, saying, A great prophet has appeared among us. No, the King of kings and Lord of lords has. Hallelujah. Third, the tomb of Lazarus, and we already went that through that. Lazarus, come forth. And that is it. Amen. Sorry about the 7911. Father, we thank you for the word that we've heard. I thank you, Father God, we saw times when Jesus healed and then times when Jesus healed and said, sin no more. I thank you, Father God, that as we listen to the Spirit of God and as we go through these chapters and we look at every place where he is 
represented in a different way. Every chapter that this will become so dear to us in our hearts, it will, it will cause a change to take place supernaturally. And we give you praise, glory, and honor. Father, I thank you. None of us will forget this sermon today in Jesus' name. Amen.